On today's episode of It's Always Something in Philadelphia, we talk about the Flyers finally beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Sixers, man, they are down bad. The Phillies, well, they're winning the World Series, obviously based on spring training. And we even talk about this new design that came out for the South Philly Sports Complex. Starting with the Philadelphia Flyers, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-2, to two in one of the stranger games I've seen in a little bit. So it snaps a four-game win streak for the Lightning in Philly. I think that streak has gone back like years and years. It's been a long time since the Flyers have beaten Tampa Bay in their home stadium. So finally get that you know record over with, and they beat them, who they are a good team. Or Tampa Bay is, I think, like behind them in the standings, they're in the wild card based on where they're sitting in their division, but they have more points. Then the Flyers, or I think, well, now they're tied for points, but they did coming into this game. Um, so a good team, a good playoff caliber-esque team. They were playing, so a nice little test there. Um, but it was weird from the gate. So sometime in the first period, I don't remember the exact period. I was watching it live. The Flyers and Lightning are playing, and the power goes out partially in Wells Fargo Center. So they're playing and you know, you're watching on TV or if you were in there and there's, everything's lit up and they have the sounds and all that stuff and you just see like the lighting changes drastically. The rink is still lit, but not as well lit. And apparently like the broadcasters, their monitors went out and the scoreboard like sound system went out and the scoreboard itself. And so they were, I don't know what happened if, if they went on like a backup generator or if they just had a partial outage. I think that's what it was, what the Wells Fargo Center said, but very strange, caused an extremely long delay. They, you know, they blew the play dead, and we're trying to figure out what to do and how to how to move on from that. And it took quite some time, and they just ended up deciding, well, we have lighting on the rink. It's not perfect, but let's just play. And to me, that's that's very hockey culture. I will figure it out. I try to imagine like if this happened at a, at a baseball game, which might be more difficult because of the batter's eye and all that stuff. But like, or even like an NBA game, I could see. I don't know, just if it happened in NBA, like LeBron being like, oh, I'm not playing. The lighting's off. I can't see the rim the same way. But very funny for hockey, even though it's you're playing with a small puck and everything, for them to be like, yeah, let's just play. Let's just, you know, same advantage or disadvantage for both sides. So that was super interesting. Um, uh, John Tortorella, he started the game or, you know, he was in the game on the sideline. He's in like a wrist wrap because he just had some sort of hand surgery. So that was already just like visually like, okay, coaches, coaches in a brace and a wrap. So that's interesting. Then the power goes out. So super wonky, but a great game for the Flyers. Bobby Brink started the game off scoring. Bobby Brink was sent down to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And this is his first game back up. Scores right away. That's super fun to see. Um, and they were tied 1-1 and then 2-2. And I think it was 2 2. Let me double check that. But they were tied for. No, they were just sorry. They were just tied 1 1 going into the third period. And then the Flyers exploded. Sanheim had another goal. He's been red hot lately, playing phenomenal for them. Forrester, also another red hot player. He had a really pretty looking goal, kind of dangled it a little bit, went with the backhand, just slipped underneath the goalie's pad in between the, uh, not the crossbar, but the, the post. So really nice goal, really good win. And they got a couple, uh, you know, an empty net goal or two just to really put the thing out of reach. Because the Lightning, they go, they went to empty net like nine minutes left in the third period because the Flyers scored so quickly and got out to, you know, a two-goal lead. So they were really trying to cut it back. But really good game for the Flyers. Um, I've determined, I've 
told myself now, these Flyers are fun. They are a fun team to watch. Not just, not frisky, not just frisky. They're fun and they're enjoyable. And we circle back to that conversation of, well, what do you do come trade deadline? Do you make the push for the playoffs? And I say, yes, this team is fun. They're talented. They're young. They're well coached. Why not? I don't want to say go all in, you know, trade assets or anything like that. That could hurt your future. But I don't think you hurt this team too much. You don't take away any key contributors or, or, or really large contributors because this team is fun to watch. They're fun to play, fun to see them play. They're talented. They win games. If they lose, they lose them close. And they're always, they never give up. They're fighting in every game. And I think it's worth a shot to see if they, A, can make the playoffs, which they're in a good position right now. Um, they are in the league. They have 69 points. Nice. Um, third in the Metropolitan Division still. A couple points ahead of the Devils. And then it's, after, behind them, it's Devils, Capitals, Penguins, Islanders are all within two points of each other. And they're all at least five points behind the Flyers. So, They've got a little bit of breathing room, but not a ton. So they need to keep winning games, but they are, are on track to make the playoffs. And you never know what can happen. NHL, NHL playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs are one of the most fun in all of sports, most wild. Any team can get hot at the right time. And whether they go in on a run and win the Stanley Cup or just win a playoff series or two, it's great experience for this young team. So this team has been really fun to watch. I enjoy them playing hockey. They don't frustrate me as much as past teams have. And so I say, keep it going. Don't, you know, build for the future and protect your future, but but keep the players that can make this team good this year and years following. Keep them around because this is a, an exciting team to watch. A team that's not exciting to watch at this juncture are the Philadelphia 76ers, whose hat I'm wearing maybe out of pity. I don't know. Um, they lost to the Celtics, which everyone in their mother saw coming. Without Embiid, there's really no chance, no reasonable chance they should beat the Celtics. Um, as I predicted in the last podcast, they kept it close throughout the first two quarters and throughout the first half, and then there was a third quarter collapse. Of course, that's kind of how it always happens. Yeah, I think they were you know, down two at the half, but they were already on a – Boston was on like a, a scoring streak, and the Sixers were scoreless at the very end of the, of the first half. And then they started out 12-0 in the third quarter. It was expected. I, I, I don't think this team can beat the Celtics without Embiid. And with Embiid, it'll still be really tough. They're the best team, most talented team in the league. So wasn't expecting a lot, but still was disappointing to see them play well enough to be in the game and let it slip in that third quarter, which is bad decision-making, bad shot-taking, no rebounding, bad defense, just all of it combined. Um, and there's a lot of issues, but it's all circling back to Tobias Harris. It's He's really taking a brunt of the, the criticism right now and the brunt of the blame. I don't know if it's fair or unfair to give him this much criticism because it obviously is a team game and there's other players who are playing poorly. But as we've talked about for five years, because of his contract, he just has to to play better and he has to take that responsibility and he's gone from the point of underperforming, you know, for the, a max player to nearly unplayable. There was one sequence that really drove me crazy where 
And I've mentioned tons of times Tobias Harris to me as the softest driving hands in the league. And what I mean by that is whenever he's driving to the basket and he's like, you know, six, seven, six, eight, he is so easily stripped on his way up to the basket or blocked while at the rim. He does not go up strong. He does not fight through contact. Every time I feel like if he's going up to the rim and there's one or two defenders with a hand there, that ball's getting loose. And there was one play where he drove and it was one-on-one. I think it was a breakaway and he had the advantage. Same thing, got stripped as he was going up. They get a breakaway. Jalen Brown takes it. Two defenders in the lane, splits them both, takes them on and dunks it, you know, meets them at the rim. And it was like the perfect you know, illustration of the issue with Tobias Harris or one of the many issues when it comes to his driving and his ability to score at the rim is just being aggressive, being tall, playing big and going to the rim. He didn't do it. Got stripped. Jalen Brown did it. Dunked it with two hands. Celtics that capped off, you know, that was part of their 12-0 run. So that play in particular was was bad. And Tobias, I don't know what you do with him. Do you bench it not bench him but do you bring him off the bench probably can't with this lineup uh d'anthony mountain got hurt again or had back spasm so who knows if he plays you know in the foreseeable future so i i don't think on paper he's too talented and too valuable to bring off the bench with this with this lineup you have to keep him on your starting roster but he just has to be better and you have to if you're nick nurse you, you tone down his minutes and you give them to Ricky Council the fourth, who continues to be overwhelmingly positive, especially for an undrafted free agent. He kind of does everything Tobias Harris isn't doing at this juncture, playing with energy, playing aggressive, attacking the rim, confidently shooting. He's just giving you so much of what you like to see. And he's such a good, aggressive athlete that it's such a, a welcome sight on this team. Kelly Oubre-esque, who has been terrible in his own right. Um and so I, I think you start giving a lot of Tobias's minutes to Ricky until he proves otherwise, because right now he's hurting the team because he's someone that without Embiid, you're relying on to be a productive scorer and he's just not doing that. So right now, I don't know. I think he got to diminish his minutes because it's getting bad. He's feeling the heat. Sixers Twitter is getting on him. Sixers media. It's, it's reaching a breaking point. I've seen multiple people say this might be the worst stretch for Tobias Harris as a Sixer, which is saying something because Sixers fans have been on him since they won. So he was bad. Tyrese Maxey was great again. Another good Tyrese Maxey game. And what really impressed, and I think the conversation got brought up nationally because someone on a podcast was talking about it. Um, who talks about stuff on a podcast anymore? Freaking loser. Um, but someone was talking about it, about Tyrese Maxey's defense. And they think he's an underrated defender for a relatively undersized guard or just a small, you know, guard player. And last night, at least in the first half when the game was close, was playing excellent defense on Jalen Brown, was forcing him to take tough shots, was, I don't want to say locking him up, but was really up in his grill and not making things easy for him. And for someone that for the first couple of years of his career, that was his criticism was he's too small. He's a defensive liability. I think he's past being a liability. Is he first team defense? No. Second team defense, if it existed, no, still no, but I think he's average or slightly above average defender for a guard right now, which is just tremendous for the growth he's taken, especially knowing that the growth he's taken offensively. You you know, for some players, if you, you take this big leap offensively and that's where you focus, it could be easy to, to leave your defensive game 
you know, out of your routine that you're working on. But he does not, or he has not, and his defense is really showing. So great game for him. 30 points, three rebounds, five assists. He's doing everything. He is the heart and soul of this team, which is sort of crazy to think about if we take ourselves preseason when we didn't know he was going to take the sleep, but we were hoping it. Could you imagine saying like, yeah, the Sixers will have Maxi score 30 every night and like the next closest scorer has 15 and it's in garbage time. I don't know, wouldn't have expected it preseason now that we know who Maxi is and can be. They're sort of relying on it. I think this will be good for Tyrese in terms of his personal development when Embiid comes back and they have a full roster and maybe next year with their big offseason acquisition, if they get like a third star or second star to see how Tyrese Maxey then can take his experience as a, the lead ball handler and the lead scorer and like engine of the team. And then take that experience and minimize his role as the second guy, maybe even the third guy or whatever it is. I think this is good for him as his growth and development, but in terms of the rest of the team, they need to help him out because it's very, very hard to win a game with your undersized guard as your best player. Um, the whole Jalen Brunson conversation kind of exemplifies that. So they've got to be better. Um, but this wasn't a game I expected them to win. It just still stinks to see them lose to the Celtics every time. Uh, they play the Hornets on Friday. Hopefully that's a win. Hornets just got demolished by the Bucks, So you would expect the Sixers to come out strong home game against the Hornets, but you never know with this current version of the team. Phillies spring training keeps on rolling on. Um, they just played today or on Wednesday. Just watched the game. They ended up tying seven, seven love a good spring training tie. Who cares about extra innings? Just, just call it. Let's all go golfing. Um, JT, Real Muto, and Alec Bohm, first games of spring training, both hit home runs. Fire up the World Series parade on Broad Street. We're going all the way, baby. JT looks great, though. He talked a lot about in the offseason. He did some like some work looking at his swing and like a technological, like breaking it down and like, oh, we have like all the you know equipment and science to, to work on it. And he kind of tweaked the swing a little bit. So it's awesome to see that first game, at least it's it's working, whatever he tweaked. And then Alec Bohm, really smooth, powerful looking swing on this home run. A lot of people are thinking, and I'm in the same boat, where this could be Alec Bohm's breakout year. He's been getting better offensively each year. But I remember when he was in the minors and as a rookie, you know, the people who know baseball say that kid, he's got pop. He will be a power hitter. And he's sort of has been on the fringe of a power hitter last year, took that leap to, to be, maybe be more in that category. But I think this year you could see him really start hitting some long balls. So that's fun to see. I've really been enjoying the spring training uh, televised games debate. I find it hilarious. So it's spring training. All of the Phillies home games in Clearwater are broadcast on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Some of their away games are, but not all of them for whatever reason. Um, and people are kind of up in arms about it. They're really mad. And look, I agree. In the year 2024, should every spring training game be televised? Yeah, we have the technology. There's plenty of people working in sports like in the minor leagues and, and the broadcast and whatever that you can, you can make a broadcast happen for every game. There's really no reason for it. I agree. But is it the end of the world that you can't watch a spring training game in late February when like the starters will leave after the third inning and by the 
six, they're watching the backups, backups. I think people are getting a little bit too worked up. And I think that's awesome because people are, you know, as excited for this Phillies team as they've been in a while because of the past two years success. So people are all in and they want to see their Phillies and not being able to see them every time they play can be frustrating and just getting like, you know, the live tweeting from the team about players hitting a home run and just trust them. So I get the frustration, tone it back a little bit. I don't think it's that big of a deal. More Philly news that I want to talk about. This is super interesting. So a, a diagram a proposal, what's the word? A designs came out. That's the word design diagram, all the same. Designs came out for a new $2.5 billion complex redesign for the South Philadelphia Sports Complex came out. The proposal has more restaurants and like a walkthrough area, a brand new concert venue, a separate stadium for the Flyers, parking garages, uh, you know, a whole new making the downtown or not downtown, the South Philly sports complex, more of a complex, more of a, you know, area than just like four separate stadiums and parking lots. Um, personally, I'm a little bit in the middle, which I feel like I always fall in the middle on these things, but I think it's good to add more stuff to the sports complex than just the stadiums and Xfinity Live. Because right now, if you're in that South Philly area, after the game, there literally is only Xfinity Live or you go home, whether it's to the city, suburbs, Jersey, wherever. At the same time, what makes Philly's sports area, the complex, great is there's plenty of tailgating space. And that's why the Eagles are known for having awesome tailgates. Phillies tailgates are phenomenal. Flyers and Sixers, also pretty good. So I think anything that takes away most or a good portion of the current parking space, I would say I'm not against. And it sounds like this plan is to do that because they said, you know, to make up for the parking, they would build parking garages. So there's not less parking, but if there's less, you know, flat open parking space. I think that takes away from the tailgating scene, which I think is unfair. And I, I don't think will be enjoyed. That's part of what makes Philly sports so special is the passionate tailgating scene. People on Eagle Sundays, you know, grilling up really good Italian food and shotgunning beers with that one guy who can beat everyone in shotgun race. And I, I don't think it's good for the fan base to say, we're going to take away your space where you can provide the beer and you can provide the food and it can be your party. And we're going to make it so if you want to drink and you want to eat food, you have to go and spend money at our places that we you know, paid to be here. I don't think that's good. Having a little bit more options, somewhat more of a active atmosphere besides tailgating in that part of the city. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea. I think that'd be, be fun. Kind of create, mimic sort of a, you know, downtown stadium setup for places like, you know, I think like the, the Pittsburgh Stadiums do a really good job, like Heinz Field and PNC Park. They're right in their downtown. And so there's a lot of stuff around. And that's that's cool. And that's a, that's a really fun environment. It's different than what Philly has because we have the tailgating scene. It's sort of removed. It's the, They're two different atmospheres. And I think it's fine to try and combine them. But to completely replace it, I would say I'm against. Um, will this ever happen? Who knows? I read somewhere that initially when Xfinity Live was proposed, a similar sort of rendering was put out there about this entire you know complex being built or redesigned and they ended up just doing Xfinity Live. So there's a chance that whatever they're showing us here 
one eighth of it will be built. I've also read that this might just be like a tactic to like compete and scare the 76ers from developing their 76 place, which if you don't know, part of the Sixers ownership wants to build a new Sixers stadium in center city, Philadelphia. in I think the uh, arts district, I believe kind of near Chinatown, they're proposing that that is another, you know, probably multi-million, if not billion dollar project that's years away. So changes are coming in one way or another to the Philadelphia stadiums, what it ends up looking like. I'm not sure, but in terms of this brand new complex with the concert venue and restaurants and garages and all this stuff, I'm fine with it in theory and I'm fine with some of it, but I think if you take away Philadelphia's tailgating space, you're diminishing and taking away from what makes Philadelphia sports so special. And that's not something I can agree and support with. Lastly, just to wrap up a little bit, Eagles talk. Um, it's combine week. All right. Combine's going on. Uh, sort of a, a boring week that always gets not blown out of proportion, but people miss football already. And there's a lot of talk about who looks good and who's whatever. I don't, you know, as a fan, not really too much to read into it. Um, you just hope, you hope the Eagles draft linebackers. They won't. They're going to go O-line, D-line. Then you hope they get some corners, which they might probably will. Maybe a receiver late in the draft, running back, something like that. Um, our boy Gio, the podcaster, he's there in Indy asking Howie Roseman about linebackers as always. Appreciate him doing his thing. More interestingly, though, they put out for, I think, the second year in a row that it's been public, or at least the second year in a row that I've recognized it or seen it. Uh, the NL NFLPA like, team report. And so what it is, it's the team, like the players grading their team on a couple of categories um, on management, on ownership, on how they treat the players' families, on how the cafeteria is, how their weight rooms are, stuff like that. Um, so that came out. Eagles ended up scoring like the fourth best of any team. And so I have the grades in front of me right now, so. For the Eagles, for the treatment of families, they were a C. For the food cafeteria, they were an A, which is second in the league. Nutritionist slash dietitian, they were B. Locker room, B minus. Training room, B plus. Training staff, A minus. Weight room, A minus. Strength coaches, A minus. Team travel, C. Head coach, A. Ownership, A. So coaches or players supporting Nick Sirianni, rating him as an A coach. Supporting ownership as well, rating them an A. Um, great food, it sounds like, at the link and at the Novacare Complex. So I'll have to try and finagle my way to get some food from the Novacare Complex at some point since the food's so good. Um, but that's cool to see. It's nice to see that the players are recognizing that this is a well-run organization. It's nice that Jeffrey Lurie runs a well-run organization, that the players are happy. A lot of surprising places where teams have fallen, the Kansas City Chiefs, had the second to worst grade of any team. Very surprising for a two-time back-to-back Super Bowl winning team to be the second worst rated, you know, workplace by its players. Um, but I think it's really cool that the NFLPA is doing this. I think it's awesome. I think most jobs should should do this. They should allow you to uh, share your feedback and say how you would grade, you know, your employer versus just getting grades the other way around. So I think that's really fun. And it's nice to see the Eagles in an upper category of something, especially based on how the year ended and everything seeming so down and, oh, there might be locker room issues and this team's unfixable and blah, 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 blah. And then the team going out and saying, no, actually, we like our coach, we like our ownership, and we have really good food. 
Only thing that can improve is treatment of families and travel, which I'm not sure where they're lacking in those areas, but hopefully they can get those fixed. That is all I have for you guys today. Uh, like I said, Sixers are back at it on Friday. Flyers, let me check their schedule real quick. They play also on Friday. I might not, you might not hear from me for a little bit, maybe until mid to next week, doing a little quick family vacay. Um, but I'll get back to you guys sometime mid to late next week. All right. See ya.